here we are. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, how many of you quarantine felt long? Like long, really long. <laughs> you know, way too long. How many of you are like, you know, it went by pretty quickly? You know, I'm not gonna lie, it just zipped by. Uh, it's, it's really amazing uh, how much change can happen in so short a time and uh, how much, ev- you know, events can happen in so short a time. But here we are, you know, and, and that's what I love about the church is if there's going to be a resilient bunch among us, hopefully it's going to be the Christians. Amen? Amen. How many of you have known somebody who has had COVID-19, has had coronavirus? Anybody? Okay, so there's a few more people in this service where you do know somebody who's had it. And uh, thankfully, even though the amount of deaths in Kern County is quite low compared to the rest of the country, I still am hearing this is definitely not a virus you want to get. And as I looked at the reasons why you might not want to get it, there's one reason that really stands out to me as a lover of food, you know, uh, I like my pizza, even though it's cauliflower crust pizza now. I like, you know, I love the taste of a, you know, cold juice on a hot day. And apparently, you know, one of the lasting effects of coronavirus is it really messes with your taste buds. So if you know anybody, I, I, I've told, I said, God, this may be hedonistic of me, but if anybody can't taste food, send it to me, I'll pray for that because I have passion about that. And we're just going to make sure everybody can taste a good pizza. Amen? Amen, yes. Is it, you are all like, I'm not afraid of that. I'm afraid of that. I do not. I, forget coronavirus. I never want to lose my taste buds. I will lose my arm if I lose a taste buds. So, all right. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to do something a little different. That, how many of you have been following the videos? Don't you, Jim? How many? Oh, good. A lot of you have been watching the videos. Good. So, what is the name of the series we're in? Trial and the Suffering. No trial. Trust, <laughs> trusting in the trial. Linda, that's why nobody went first. One of those. Trust, trust in the trial. We are actually going to put a comma in that series today. Uh, today I'm just going to share a little special word about the power of unity. So this is just sort of a, a regathering celebration, a regathering message, and uh, just something I really felt led to share. I had a message all ready to go, and then yesterday afternoon, I just felt the, the Holy Spirit say, no, I, I got something I want to say. And, uh, and so I, and I, really, I really believe that what you're about to hear today is from God to you. It's God's heart that he wanted to share through you, to you, through me. And so ever since yesterday afternoon, I've been really excited because it just, it, it, it was a message that just wrote itself, and I hope it's going to really bless you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open up the word now, we ask in Jesus' name that you would open up our hearts to receive, even if it's just one thing this morning, open up our hearts to receive and be blessed by the Holy Spirit. Be filled afresh in Jesus' name. Amen. I do not have, other than the title screen you see it up behind me, I do not have the scriptures up on the screen this morning. So you will have to take out your phone. Or for those of you who hopefully, yeah, there we go, brought a Bible. Remember those things called Bibles? Yeah. Um, you'll have to take that out and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. It's in the New Testament, toward the end there. A whole bunch of little, e, you know, the letters with S-I-N-S. 
at the end. Anyway, uh, you'll find it there. Ephesians chapter 4. You know, cell phone people are going, yeah, I just typed it in. I have to find it. People find it. But uh, it's on page. <laughs> when I was a youth pastor, I always used to love it. It's on page 998. You know, it's like, what? And uh, let's go ahead and read this. Beginning chapter 4, verse 1. Verse 1. This is Paul, Paul the Apostle, writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, I therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. With all humility. Humility. Humility is valuing others around you and keeping Christ as the head of the church. Valuing others around you and keeping Christ the head of the church. This was apparently a problem in the early church because they began to fight and get in petty disputes and judge each other and criticize each other and get overly opinionated to the point where they had lost their familiar. They weren't valuing each other anymore and they were qualifying themselves to be judged when only Jesus is qualified to be that judge. And so you began to get the seeds of division forming in the church. Paul says, no, I, I remind you for humility to value each person. Look around right now. See some people. I want you to think in your mind, they are valuable. They're a great treasure to God. Let them be a great treasure to me. Yes, amen. He says, with all humility and gentleness. Gentleness is simply your power under God's control. Your abilities under God's power under control. Your, you and all your gifts, all your smarts, all your whatever you can bring to the table in an earthly sense. Under the control of God to be used for his glory. Amen? That's gentleness. With patience. Definition of patience is to be at peace with God's pace. Not getting ahead of God. And not lagging behind where God's dragging you, but just being at peace with God's pace. Bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. Not bearing with one another in grumbling. Not bearing with one another in judging. Not bearing with one another in criticizing. But bearing with one another in love because love is the glue that holds unity together. Without it, no church will last very long. Bearing with one another in love. Verse 3. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Eager to maintain unity and peace. I know some people who are eager to maintain fighting and division. They're eager. They can't wait to go give their neighbor a piece of their mind. They can't wait to make that phone call to that family member. They can't wait to post their opinion on Facebook. You know, they're eager to do things that have the possibility of great division. Paul says, transfer that eagerness to maintain unity of the Spirit 
in the bond of peace. He says, for there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to you. Notice that one, one body, one spirit, one hope. Verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse 6, and one God and Father over all. What is Paul saying the basis of our unity should be? Let's do multiple choice. A, because we're Americans. No. Right? B, because we live in Bakersfield. C, because we go to LifePoint. D, because he is the same God over us, all in all. Amen. Amen. That's what brings us together. Uh, years ago, I heard a story of a young pastor being trained by an older pastor, and they went to go do a hospital visit. And the older pastor said to the young pastor, wait here by the nurse's station, uh, because the nurses just told me this man's been pretty uh, agitated and belligerent, so let me go and scope things in, and I'll call for you. The older pastor went in, and the younger pastor just kind of sitting there, and like, yeah, I wish I could go in. I'm trying to learn this stuff, but I'm just sitting down here waiting. And finally, the older pastor comes out and says, grab your stuff, we're going. And the, and the younger pastor said, what? Well, what about going? And, and said, you know what? He's just wasting his life in petty fights and disputes. I don't think our prayers can help him. And I thought, forget about the last sentence, because I know it's pretty strong. I think, I think all prayer can help. But hone in on the first sentence. He is wasting his life in petty fights and disputes. Petty fights and disputes are a waste of your life. God wants to do incredible things in your life. And then we get into a season where we got these little petty fights and disputes with everybody. And God is just going, oh, i got to wait this out. Please just stop. Just give it up. Just walk in humility. There's some great things I can do for you, but I'll wait it out if I have to. If you just have to fight that fight, if you just have to share that opinion, you know. Petty fights and disputes are a waste of your life. It's wasted time. Uh, that's not to say that there are times to stand up for things. That's not to say that there are times where God is going to call us to draw a line and draw a boundary and stand for something. I'm not talking about that. I think you all know what I'm talking about. It's those petty fights and disputes that lead to the kind of division that the enemy whispers into our ears. And God is trying to say, don't listen to that anymore. Don't go down that road anymore. That's not what I've called you to. Division especially in the church, is nothing but a waste of time. Division delays God's blessing, and division destroys spiritual joy. All from division. Now, I've seen some of the most terrible effects of the quarantine on people. And no doubt that as a nation, we are suffering from a lot of division right now. We have division over race. We have division over church. We have division over masks. We have division over unemployment. We have division over the PPP. Don't get me started on the PPP. If you don't know what PPP is, I'm not talking about going to the bathroom. Anyway, we have division over PPP. The division over politics. We live in a culture 
is very divided right now. And my question is, what is the church's answer to all of that division? What is the church's answer to all of the division that's taking place around us? And as I was pondering that, my boss, my pastor, my direct supervisor, who was in Tehachapi, he sent an email out. And as I read it, he attempted to give what I thought was a very beautiful answer. He first started with a scripture. It's in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, 5, and I don't know. He, he picked ping pong around a little bit, but I'll read it for you. He says, when the day of Pentecost came, which we celebrated last Sunday, they were all together in one place with one accord. They were all in the upper room. They were in one place in one accord. It means their hearts were together. They were in unity. It says, now there were staying in Jerusalem... Jews from every nation under heaven. That's America. We have every nation under heaven here. And it says, and he lists them up. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamians, Judeans, Cappadocians, Pontians, Asians, Phrygians, Pamphylians, Egyptians, Cyrenes, Romans, Jews, Cretans, Arabs. Many of you are like, I don't know half of the people you're just talking about. That's fine. But they were all different colors, shades, and sizes. That's what the Bible is trying to say here. It says that after the falling of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, the apostles went out and began to declare the wonders of God in all of the different languages, in all of the different cultures, in all of the different races. And Bill wrote this, he said, when I read this, I'm reminded that the Pentecost is the birthday of the church. On that day, diversity became irrelevant other than to serve as a reason to celebrate the beauty of God's orchestra. Together, the church demonstrates that we are far greater than the sum of our individual contributions. We are all different by God's design. And yet all equal. In value to God. He said, I remember my own Pentecost experience. I remember going forward to the altar and being prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, when I got up from that altar after that experience, I hugged everybody within reach, even strangers. He said, this is what the Holy Spirit can do. I know it, I've seen it, and I've experienced it firsthand. This is what our world needs. A fresh outpouring of the Pentecost. Not just for speaking in tongues, not just for prophetic words, not just for faith and healing, but for what Pastor Bill just described, the unity of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have had that, where God has touched your life, and you just start hugging people. And all of a sudden you realize, I don't even know you, but I'm going to hug you. Because we're maintaining the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, which is glued together by the love. Amen. The love that we have for God that flows over and transfers into love that God has for His people. Amen? Yes. The worst thing about the coronavirus 
is actually not that it happened. The worst thing is that when it happened, we as a humanity had no answer for it, right? No vaccine, no immunity, no treatment. Well, the worst thing about the division in our country right now is that we don't seem to have an answer for it. But I see an answer. I see it sitting before me right now. I'm looking at the answer. We all have the answer to the divisions in our society within us. His name is the Holy Spirit. And the answer for our world today is a fresh renewal of the Pentecost. Amen. Where we all go out and declare the wonders of God to anybody who the Lord brings in front of us. That's what we need. And so I would encourage you this morning, don't waste your quarantine. Don't waste your quarantine. This crisis has reminded us that we may not be as strong as we thought we were, or as wise, or as clever. This invisible enemy has brought us economically, and for some people physically, but definitely metaphorically, this virus has brought us to our knees. But I'd also say this, being brought to your knees is one of the best postures to have when you want to receive from the Holy Spirit on our knees. Amen? Amen. On the night before his crucifixion, Jesus gave this promise to his disciples. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Now note this. Jesus didn't say, I have overcome your troubles. Actually, he affirmed that this world will have troubles. He said, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome that from which your troubles come from. And with that, it's Jesus saying, don't worry. I've got you. You don't need to fight about that. I've got you. You don't need to get critical. I've got you. You don't need to judge him or her. I've got you. You don't need to get angry and violent. I've got you. I've got you. I've got you. That's what Jesus is saying to all of us this morning. Don't worry. I've got you. You may still go through troubles. But Jesus says, I've got you. No matter what trouble comes. Amen? It's almost in some ways as if God has kind of hit the pause button. You know, if there's one thing I can say about the people I knew in our church, my own life, and, and people I just knew in, in my life in general, we were going a thousand miles an hour. It's like the world was getting faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. It was just beginning to spin so fast that I was dizzy just trying to keep up. And one thing COVID has done is there's a little bit of a pause button. It's like God is saying, it's time to slow down and refocus on what matters most. Absolutely. Absolutely. And do you know what matters most to God? It's true. Right here. People. People. And of course, it's the thing that quarantine has taken away from us. This gathering with people. 
That's why in the moment it was legal, in the moment we had the compliance guidelines to do so, I wanted this to happen. So that we could once again look across a room and see the treasure chest of God. It's right here. Yes. Now I'm looking at it. Now what a treasure we will be when the Holy Spirit shakes the room and descends on us in fire and we go out to our world and declare Jesus is alive. Amen. 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 According to a recent poll, about 44% of Americans believe the coronavirus is a sign from God that we are to return to Him. Amen. I agree with that. I have no problem with that. Uh, I didn't get a personal email from God saying that. I, if you know anything about the Bible, God very well uses global things to turn people back to Him. Amen. And I would say this. May God help us not waste these days. We can waste in petty fighting and disputes and arguing and getting all mad about the world. I don't want to be all mad about the world. I want to be all happy about what's happening here right now. Amen. The world can have the world. Let's have the body. Yes. And let's find love and joy and peace in this. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew 24, when these things happen, when what things happen, when some of these global things happen, he said, see to it that you are not alarmed. Jesus is saying in advance, there's some things that are going to rock your world. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be wars. There's going to be famines. There's going to be disease. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be signs in the heavens. There's going to be comets and asteroids. We should not even be surprised. Yes, it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. Jesus has told us it's going to happen. Trials reveal the contents of our heart when they happen. They reveal where our heart really is. If suddenly inside there's this angry, grumbling victim... Or a humble, growing student of Jesus. And I don't know about you. I've spent enough years being that guy. Yeah. And it's just wasted time. Yeah. I'm not even that old. But at 45, I look back and think, I had some wasted years being that guy. Yes. Where I could be now if I just let it go. Amen. Being here. Growing student. Now, I'm the first one to say I'm not perfect at it every day. But when you set your course to being this one, you'd be amazed at how God gives you the power and strength to fulfill it. Amen? Yes, amen. <clears throat> one of the things I want to do before we close here today is I have three points. Rather teach them, I sort of want to minister to them. There's a story of a businessman who was on an airplane flight. And he was seated next to about a nine or ten-year-old girl. And during the flight, there was some extreme turbulence to the point where most of the people on the plane, including the businessman, had put their heads between their legs. They thought they were going to crash. And as he did this, 
he looked over and he recognized the little girl isn't putting her head between her legs. She, she's not, she's just coloring in her book and she's just at total peace. So man, even either this little girl crazy or I should help her. So he went over and said, do you, do you need some help, little girl? Do you understand what this is a serious situation? Aren't you scared? The little girl said, I'm not afraid. My daddy's the pilot. <laughs> and he's going to get home. Oh, amen. That's our lives. There may be turbulence all around us. And while everybody else is trying to stick their head between their legs, for the Christian, we go on coloring, smiling, singing our worship songs because our dad is the pilot. Amen. 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 So I'd like everybody to stand real quick. And I want to minister a couple of things. First of all, we need to release any anxiety. We need to release any anxiety. So you may say, I'm not afraid of coronavirus. There's much more than coronavirus that can cause anxiety today. We have economic upheaval. We have social upheaval. We have health upheaval. There's a lot of upheavals. And so we need to release any of our anxious reactions or anxiety that's latent in our hearts up to Jesus. So just go ahead and take a hand or both hands and put it over your heart. And just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I, release I release my worries, my, worries, my, fears, my fears, and my reactions, and my reactions to, you. to you. I leave, I leave my, anxiety my anxiety with you, with you and, I receive and I receive the peace, the peace and the filling and the of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit right, now. right now. In Jesus' name, Jesus name. amen. How many of you felt something right there in that moment? Just felt a little lighter. A little lighter. Amen. Second thing we need to do. First, we need to release our anxiety. The second thing is we need to... I forgot it already. We need to return to the Lord. I don't know about you, but, but for some of you, maybe Bible reading has been a little challenging. Uh, maybe, you know, keeping up our disciplines with either praying or witnessing or whatever. It's, you know... It's come under some challenge. You know what? Today, let's return to the Lord and say, you know what, Lord? Even, even though I'm not saying anybody here was unchristianized, we just can get distant and lazy. And so let's just have a return right now. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I, return I return any areas of my life any areas that, of my were life distant, that were distant, dry, dry or, dreary. or dreary. And I ask you, I ask light, the Pentecost, light the Pentecost, light it up, light it up on fire, fire in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Some of you are ready to pick it up. <laughs> Number three, and this one you're going to find as odd coming from me because I don't talk about this much. But we need to talk about it today. The third thing is this. We need to reaffirm Jesus' return. I've had friends email me or ask me, Tom, do you think this could be one of the signs of the end times? Of the upheaval of the world that happens just before Jesus returns. Most of my life I'd say, no. Believe me, the world went through a lot worse than this. <laughs> if you lived through World War II, you knew what tough times were. If you lived through a lot of things, you know, I'd say I I think we've had I think my generation 
born in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, we've had it pretty, pretty easy. But when I've been asked that lately, my answer had, rather than just saying, no, I don't think so, it's been, you know what? Maybe it is. Yes, amen. Perhaps it is. Yeah. Hey, uh, if someone says, I think Jesus is coming back tomorrow, and I say, ah, oh, you're just an idiot. Jesus comes back tomorrow. He was right. <laughs> it's going to happen someday, right? Yes. Right? Yes. It's part of our core belief. That's one of the squares, you know. It's going to happen someday. Yes. Someday, God is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And we need to reaffirm that return. It may not be today, but it's going to be someday. And so, I want to ask, if Jesus comes today, will you be ready? Yes. If Jesus comes tomorrow, will you be ready? Yes. If Jesus returns in our lifetime, will you be ready? Yes. I'm not asking that to make you feel anything other than this. It is a question we have to constantly ask ourselves. Am I ready? Am I ready? Am I ready for the great show to begin? And I can tell you this. We don't get ready by wasting our time in division, petty fights, and human disputes. We get ready by maximizing the power of Christ in our unity and our love for one another. If you're in unity, you're in love with one another, and you are witnessing. People ask me, Tom, you, when you say witnessing, what do you mean? It's telling the world out there, Jesus is alive. Amen. That's evangelism 101. Go out there and tell somebody who doesn't know that Jesus is alive. Amen. And then let their questions have the gospel come out of them. You know, when I go out there, I go, uh, do you know you're a sinner? Or do you know that the world, they don't, you know, that. When I tell my neighbor, I believe Jesus is alive. I mean, he's alive. He's not dead. He's alive. He's alive. Amen. He's here right now. Yes. Really? What's that like, Tom? Wow. I don't meet a lot of people who like come out and say it. So all the questions start coming and all the da 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 you made. That's what we're witnessing. We're witnessing to the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. In love for each other and the unity of the Spirit. Let's get back on track and do with that. Amen? Yes. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. So worship guys come forward. And we're going to end with the same song we just sang. And the song is called This is a Move. And it's really... It's talking about what happens when God begins to move, not only in a church, but in a community, in a nation, in a city, where all of a sudden we gather and we love and we serve because we have come for one and one thing only. And that's to worship Jesus. Yes. Amen? Yes. I can't tell you how many people had emailed me say, I missed the blessing at the end of service. Yes. So uh, I just want to go ahead and bless you and have the Lord bless you on the way out. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the face of God shine upon you. 
May God's grace cover you. Every sin, every weakness, every shame, it is all covered under the blood of Jesus. And as you walk out of church, may you be filled with His peace. The peace of God which transcends all understanding and guards your heart until the day of His return. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.